Hi, my name is Peter Maestri, and you're listening to Divorce the First Six Months. If you are someone who is about to go through a divorce, or maybe you're healing from one, then you're in the right place. This conversation and the stories you're going to listen to focus on people who have gone through a divorce, and more importantly, how they navigated through it. Having said that, let's get right into it. Welcome to Divorce the First Six. I'm your host, Peter Maestri. Today, we have a special guest. Her name is Carrie Pyle Lawrence. Um, she's been divorced since 2016, and she has two beautiful little girls. We're going to get to know her. I would tell you more, but I think it's better if you find out yourself. Carrie, thank you so much for being a yes to this conversation. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, so let's get right into it. So tell me a little bit about your, the first six months of your divorce. Oh my gosh, what a question that is. (laughs) I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I think that a lot of people don't realize like kind of how traumatic divorce can be. I mean, really, I know that they've said it before and I'll say it again. It's really like a death, a death of like, but more so than losing a person, that person dying, it's like losing kind of like the hope and the plans that you had for the future and the, the ideas that you had for yourself and really... Um, I think the first six months for me was really trying to wrap my head around this new future that I was, spo- I was, I was kind of being forced to embark on and like what that looked like and also putting to bed kind of the, you know, the fairy tale ending that I always dreamed my life would have and, um, and coming to grips with that. Um, and then also kind of processing my feelings of, of that are wrapped around all of that. Um, for me, it was, you know, living in a big city, being financially independent, being a single mom, all of those things in the first six months seemed just insurmountable. And um, I wasn't, I really couldn't even comprehend how I was going to be able to do that, you know, and I think that also at the end of a marriage, there's a lot of insecurities and hurt and um, at least for me, I really had like a lack of self-confidence and that's kind of where all of those feelings were being generated from of a lack of feeling worthy, a lack of being enough, a lack of being um, able to like really knowing my value and my strength. So initially, I think those were the feelings that were coming up. And then um, through those first six months, I feel like I had to kind of find ways to fill time. Like I had free time for the first time and I couldn't even remember how long because my children were going to their dad's house and I had, you know, time to myself. And when that sounds amazing, but also it's super scary and lonely. And so you're able, you have to really find ways to fill that time. That's like productive because you can easily choose things that are totally unproductive and probably damaging. Um, But, you know, really, and I, for me, I really started that using that time to rediscover myself and what I wanted in life and who I wanted to be and the things that I enjoyed and maybe just even trying new things because I was a different person after that, that in those first six months and trying to figure out like who that person really was. What would you say is the first emotion that came up uh, and took over? Ugh. I mean, there was like, I, I had, so for me, I have a, an atypical divorce situation. You know, I found out about a long-term affair and my mother died in the same week. So I was dealing with a lot of 
big, huge emotions, you know, and they all seem to get like jumbled up. But I think like the number one emotion that I felt was the, the loss, you know, um, I really lost. And I think that even people can relate to this, even divorce. I really lost the people that were closest to me that I relied on for emotional support. And so I was going through this crazy emotional time and I just felt so lonely and it was really difficult. And inside that loneliness, where did you go? What was your first step? Like not understanding, I'm assuming was the first one and then trying to get a grip on it. Yeah. How did you handle that? I mean, to be honest with you, not very well. (laughs) You know, I, at first I was really angry. Um, I remember I, um, I didn't know what to do with my time. And you, sorry, I'm getting like a little emotional. It's just, um, I didn't know what to do with my time, you know? And I, I also didn't know how to, um, deal with the feelings that I was having. And so my, um, my original feeling and my original plan of action was I was like going to like push my ex out of my life, like as soon as possible. So I would like pour a drink and like start cleaning out all of his stuff and like putting it in the garage. So I wouldn't have to be like reminded of it on a constant basis, you know, which I guess was inevitable, but probably not the best use of my time, you know, because it was really kind of wallowing in like all of the feelings. And, you know, not that I'm a, you know, habitual, like super crazy heavy drinker, but at that time, like pouring a drink at like noon was pretty much like outside (laughs) of my normal typical behavior, (laughs) but I found myself there. And I did that for not a long time, but a little bit of time, you know, and I, and there came a point where I was like, this is not good. This is not healthy. I need to like, I can't just like keep drinking at noon on the days that I don't have my kids and like throwing out (laughs) bags of clothes, you know? So, um, I started, uh, so I knew that I needed to do something. I knew that I needed to make a change and I knew I needed a sounding board and I just didn't have any kind of sounding board. So I, um, I started going to therapy because I was like really lost and had no idea what I was supposed to be doing at this point. Um, so I started doing that, which was beneficial just to kind of get the emotions that I was having out, you know, even just vocalizing feelings to somebody who's just like, literally I was paying somebody just to sit there and listen to me, you know? Yeah. Because at this point I really didn't have a like large friend circle. Like I was a, um, I was like a really successful television producer and I worked all the time and I made tons of friends at work, but we were all in the same space where it was like, we became really close, really fast in this crazy environment. And then the show would end and we'd all move on to different shows. And then we would lose touch because everybody became busy. And, you know, I had a one and a four-year-old at the time. So for me, it was like, I worked And I took care of my family and that was it. There was no time for me. So when everything came crashing down, I took, um, I kind of took a look at the real estate in my life and I was like, well, there's really nobody here for me. Like, I really don't have, of course I had, um, you know, my family, but like I lost my mom and I really just didn't have anybody, you know? So I really needed somebody that I could use as like just a sounding board. And so therapy really helped provide that for me. So that was super beneficial. I could say in the first six months, that was probably the most 
the best decision that I made and provided me the most value throughout the course of my divorce and helped me reimagine and reapproach and learn how to deal with, you know, conflict in a much healthier way. What was that turning point where you decided, like, was it something that happened or was it just like you just had enough with the drinking at 12 o'clock and you were just like, look, you know what? I need to get this ball rolling. I need to start healing. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, this was like going on for like a couple of weeks, like maybe like two or three weeks. And, you know, I knew that there, you know, how inside you're like, you know, that this isn't a good idea, but you do it anyway for a little bit because you're just kind of, you just want to numb yourself because you're in so much pain. Um, So that's, and I, and I had to be responsible for my kids and I live an active, healthy lifestyle and it was starting to infiltrate those things. And it was starting to, I mean, I never drank around my kids. You know, this was only during my alone time when I was really like struggling. Um, And I would say that, you know, it just came to a point where it wasn't making me feel good. You know, it wasn't serving its purpose. It wasn't. Um, It wasn't numbing me anymore. It was making my emotions like bigger and stronger. And, you know, I think that I suffered from like depression at first, you know, I had maybe not typical depression where it's like long lasting, but in that moment, I like had such negative thoughts. Every thought that came to my head was a negative thought. Like I didn't, you know, everything was like, I was losing everything. I couldn't think like of a positive thing in my life outside of like I had kids, but even then I felt like they're being taken, you know? Yeah. Um, So, um, sorry. So it took me a little bit to, um, realize that that just wasn't healthy behavior, you know, and it wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. Sorry about that. (laughs) I don't know how to turn it off. What was it? It was my um, messages coming oh. in, like on my computer, but the, they're not open, so I don't know why they're beeping. Yeah, we'll just deal with it. Okay. Um, um, so yeah, it was really, it was a really difficult time, and even now, years later, I get emotional thinking about it because um, it was just so traumatic for me. What is it that you're thinking about that makes it so real? Because right now, if you're hearing us, you're you're not seeing Carrie, but Carrie is is welling up. So what's there for you? What is it that you're thinking about? Is it the memory? Is it something that you could have done, would have done, should have done? What's going through your mind that has it be so cemented in the moment right now? Well, you know, when you deal with um, trauma, it's like you learn to live with it, you know? And so kind of talking about it um, brings me back into those moments and feelings of that time. Yeah. And um, it's just... Like, that's a really difficult thing for me to think about. You know, it's just really the, the um, emotions and the feelings were just so consuming, you know, and it took me even a long time um, to even be able to talk about my mom or think about her without like, just immediately, like, bawling my eyes out, you know, what gives you the courage to talk about it? It's, um, well, first of all, I think that part of, um, my loneliness in dealing with 
life after divorce was the fact that I felt like it wasn't talked about. You know, it was this like shameful thing that meant that you were kind of like a failure in some way of your life. And, um, and so I wanted to start talking about what life after divorce looked like because, um, I, I just, I felt like I, it was more selfish to be honest with you. It was more about like, the more I talked about it, the more support I received around it. And in turn, by me like expressing my feelings in a, in an authentic way and not being afraid to say the hard, raw, honest truth. Um, it, it like, I found that I started helping other people also, like people started saying, Oh, you know, I needed to hear this or you're, you know, you're inspiring me, you know, in any way. And I just wanted people to know that it's not a shameful thing. Like, being upset over loss or being upset over a divorce doesn't make you like, it doesn't mean that you are like disposable or you did anything wrong or it's all your fault. And there's nothing to be ashamed of things in life just sometimes don't work out, you know? And I think that for me, it's really important for, um, especially at this point in my life to kind of like reimagine what like a, what my life and what a relationship or where my life is going to go after that. You know, I always say like what happens, well, you know, when you get it, when you get married, you imagine and you think that you're going to live like happily ever after, but like what happens when ever after isn't so happy, you know? And, you know, we're always trained to think that, um, our, our, our lives are going to go in this specific order. You know, you go to college and then you meet the man of your dreams and then you like get married and then you have kids and then you get a dog and a house and then you live happily ever after and you're married for like 50 years and you're still madly in love, you know? And it doesn't like, for me, it didn't work out like that, you know? And I think that there's beauty in the fact that we get to, um, reestablish and reimagine what life could be and not have any of those like confining thoughts of what you're supposed to do. And you get to really determine what that looks like for you. And there aren't any boundaries or limitations on that. This conversation started because someone challenged me to be vulnerable. So I'm challenging you share yourself and your story. Be courageous, be vulnerable. It makes a difference.